TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and this morning our first guest is John Seibert. He is the City Square president and CEO. John, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Chris. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. I thought it was about time. A few people had heard about City Square and the wonderful things you're doing, but I thought the masses need to know, especially this time of the year, the end of the year, the holidays. You guys actually change lives, and you do it right here in Dallas, actually in South Dallas, right? Uh, Yes, sir. It's great to have this opportunity to share our story. Uh, We often say, you know, if if people care about Dallas and and love this city, then they're going to love City Square because we're – doing great work in the heart of the city uh, to make sure all of our neighbors have opportunity and prosperity. So we are based in South Dallas at I-30 and Malcolm X, and we exist to fight both the causes and the effects of poverty. And we talk about doing that through service, advocacy, and friendship. Mm -hmm. So friendship's a really important piece for us that, um, you know, we try not to believe the myth that the world's divided up into rich people and poor people, but rather we're all rich and all poor just in different ways. And so if we can really kind of debunk that sense of there being an us and a them and just say, no, there's only us. We're all, you know, we're all people. Um, We're all a part of this community. Uh, We all have value and we all need one another. That friendship really kind of roots us in what we do. So we don't have clients at city square. We have neighbors. And when our neighbors come to us, um, dealing with the uh, causes and effects of poverty, we try to address that in as many ways as possible. And what we've learned is our neighbors don't, um, you know, poverty doesn't hit people just in one way. It hits them um, in a lot of different ways and really kind of concentrates its effect in a number of different ways. So we try to fight back. You guys fight back in so many different ways. And again, I love the fact that you try to address the key areas related to the persistence of poverty. And you, you guys tackle hunger, you tackle health, you tackle housing, you, ha- you tackle things for adults, kids. You just go across the spectrum, and it seems like a massive task, but you guys have been around for a little while. Wasn't uh, City Square started in, like, 1988? Yes, sir, that's right. It started in 1988 as a, a food pantry uh, based out of uh, a church and have grown – Uh, now to have 18 different programs and um, over 165 full-time staff uh, doing all the things you mentioned. So uh, we still have our food pantry. We'll serve uh, tens of thousands of neighbors every year that come through the food pantry. Uh, We also have additional food programs, uh, things like an after-school program where we take meals to various after-school sites across North Texas, and then a really um, important and innovative summer program where we actually have a mobile 
food program where we take food to kids um, in low-income areas, kids that would usually rely on getting that food from their school system. And those kids in the summer aren't at school. They aren't, say, at the Boys and Girls Club or YMCA or some other summer programs. So we take programming and healthy food to those kids where they live. And so that program runs all over North Texas as well where we're doing mobile food delivery. Uh, in terms of housing, we're one of the largest uh, nonprofit providers of housing in North Texas. I have about 750 units uh, of housing all over North Texas. And um, that some of that housing is for the youth that we serve, and mm -hmm. then most of it is for adults um, helping folks um, exit out of their experiences of homelessness into housing. Now, you mentioned the housing program. I understand you've got a walk-in case management program with the housing. Can you explain what that is and how, how successful that's been for you guys? Yes. Um, we At our facility at I-30 and Malcolm X, we actually have walk-in where folks who are housing insecure can come to us and and tell us what they're going through, and we can work then to get them um, into housing, get them on various housing priority lists. Uh, and then in addition to that walk-in where folks can come to us, we actually also have a mobile homeless outreach team. And so that team actually goes into the camps, under the bridges, uh, throughout town uh, to engage people who are experiencing homelessness and try to help them uh, get on a pathway into housing. You mentioned the friendship and everyone's got different riches. Can you talk about some of your volunteers? Because your volunteers are the strength of the organization, and you guys have been doing this thing methodically over these years and grown and grown and grow. But it takes a certain mindset, uh, a person who actually cares a lot, and they lead with kindness. Definitely. You know, our volunteers come from all over town um, and from various different uh, socioeconomic circumstances. But I, I think you mentioned it. It's got to be people with a, a sense of empathy and a sense of kindness uh, who believe in friendship and believe in community. Uh, but then it's also rooted in uh, volunteers that come out of the communities we serve. And so um, we've learned that the people closest to the problem have the best solution. And so oftentimes the best volunteers um, for us are folks that have come to us at some point needing assistance. Um, and then we ask them to, to help us. And um, when they're able to work in the food pantry or uh, serve in other ways in our organization, uh, they understand from their own experiences what people need um, and how important it is that they're treated with dignity and that they're seen and they're heard. And you mentioned the volunteers and the things that they do. I'm sure there's some stories of people who were blessed with, you know, being helped at the food pantry and wind up working with you guys. Oh, definitely. We've had um, multiple folks um, that that's been their story, you know, and that's really what kind of uh, launched us into as an organization was over 20 years ago, uh, one person that came to us needing assistance was a, a, a grandmother named Miss Ortiz, and she actually uh, was in line to get help with a light bill and get some groceries, and the two Latina moms behind her couldn't speak English, and so she ended up translating for them and actually conducting the interview for the people that were behind her in line <clears throat> and then had the good sense to say to us, you know, if you need me to come back tomorrow, um, I can. And so she came back tomorrow for the next nine years and um, became a leader in the food pantry and somebody who had first come to us needing assistance. And to this day, we have people like Miss Ortiz, countless people that uh, come to us needing help, but then end up volunteering, end up coming back to serve. Um, and then oftentimes end up becoming staff. 
That is just absolutely fantastic. City Square has done so many things for so many years, and so many people depend on you. And, again, you've got so many branches of what you do. It's not just the pantry. Um, I'm thinking in particular your Transition Resource Action Center, track. And that's – I'm going to try to see if – tell me if I'm saying this right. That's basically for kids who are about to become adults, but they just don't know what to do with themselves or where to go or or how to make that transition. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're, you're definitely heading in the right direction. It's specifically for kids that are aging out of the foster care system. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that Transition Center helps about 800 kids a year – that age out of this region of the foster care system. So we're in region three, which is a 19 county region. It includes both Dallas and Fort Worth. And so we have track offices, um, our main one being in Dallas, but then um, another one also in Fort Worth uh, to really help those hundreds of youth who are aging out of care. And so we help them uh, prepare for adulthood. And then we're that loving adult that they can always come back to as they try to figure out what adulting is all about. And for any of us, you know, age 19, 20, 21, those probably weren't our, our wisest. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that's when people that's, are buck wild. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No matter yeah. where you are, that's, that's when you try to try things and find, your, find yourself in this world. Exactly. So that's, a, that's a, a formative time, even if you come from a good, stable family exactly. background. But mm-hmm. When you come from some of the, the trauma and transients that are our foster youth do, um, they're even more vulnerable during that stage of life. And so having that loving, caring adult presence, knowing that, hey, I can always come back to the track office and there's going to be people there that care for me and that can help me start over, uh, that's really important. And so track is kind of a little mini version of City Square, really focused for those youth. So uh, they can get food from track. They can get help with employment. Um, we have housing programs specifically just for our youth. So everything that we do for other populations are focused on that one population as a part of the track program. You know, you guys do so many different things. And it, it, like I said, you, you're, you're almost like the glue, you know, for different communities in the North Texas area, just the glue. And one of the things that caught my eyes uh, a couple of years ago was I found out you had a program at one point, I'm not sure if you're still doing this or not, where you were training some people who were homeless on how to work in restaurants. Yes, that's right. And um, unfortunately, that program had to cease during COVID. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, the restaurant industry got hit hard. Yeah. So once all the restaurants and hotels shut down, we shut down that training program. But um, That's we creative, re- though. The oh, yeah. It was, it was a great program and created so many jobs and, and pathways into careers for people. What we did during COVID was try to build off that momentum and just broaden that out. So um, while we couldn't do things industry-specific like that, while those industries were shut down, um, we've tried to lean into a deeper partnership with the community college district and really say, okay, look, Dallas College can train you in almost anything, mm-hmm. and we'll provide you that those supportive services and be there to help guide you as you kind of find whatever training you need. So, you know, hopefully as 
as we come out of the pandemic, things like that uh, culinary and hospitality training can can be reborn in some former fashion. Uh, but we've do, what we've done in the meantime is just try to get people um, any kind of certification that they can get through the community college district. And we also focused a lot of resources on financial assistance. So we were able to to kind of pivot to, okay, now that all the people that we helped get jobs who've now lost them due to the shutdown, mm-hmm. let's, let's help them with some short-term financial assistance so they can continue to pay rent, so they can stay housed, so this doesn't devastate them economically. And so um, that was a new program we built in kind of to take care of all the folks we'd helped employed and, and also to just help other neighbors in the community. So through the pandemic, we've done a, a little over $2 million in rental assistance uh, to try to help people stay housed in the midst of the pandemic. You guys are just so creative. And again, I, I, I'm pointing this out because sometimes people hear about programs that help people, but then you take it a step further and invest in them and allow them to either transition to better things or transform their lives when they don't see any future. And that's why I've been so impressed with City Square. And you mentioned the uh, pandemic, and we're still going through this. Uh, and you mentioned the pivot. A lot of different organizations have had to learn how to deal with the new normal, whether it's using more virtual things or or uh, using things uh, on Zoom or technology. Can you talk about some of the adjustments that you guys have had to make over the last oh, year and a half, two years? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the first adjustments we had to make was our food pantry historically has run like a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted people to have choice um, instead of just kind of, you know, coming through and, you know, whether or not you like Brussels sprouts, they're going to be in the bag we give you. We want you to get to shop and um, kind of have your dignity intact and be able to have choice and agency. Um, We had to really kind of move away from that during the pandemic and go to a drive-through model and just, you know, prepackage whatever groceries we had and get them out in mass to as many cars as could drive through in a day. Um, And, you know, what we what we found, though, in talking to our neighbors was, um, at, you know, during this crisis, what they needed was just uh, access and, you know, something as quick as possible. So they didn't seem to mind, you know, losing that grocery store experience in order to have um, easy access to, you know, to groceries in bulk. So that was a, that was one pivot we made. Uh, we had to make some changes in terms of how our case managers um, interact with neighbors uh, if they couldn't face up with them in person. Uh, you know, we sometimes it was meeting at a outdoor patio at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was going to their apartment and just standing in the uh, kind of in the breezeway and talking to them from their balcony. Um, we have one neighbor that um, we housed in our building downtown. Uh, his name's Mr. Forrest. Um, he's been in housing with us for over 12 years. Um, but really requires a lot of attention and care. And so he he literally texted every day with his case manager to keep him connected and keep him cared for um, in the midst of the pandemic. And so she had daily text check-ins with Mr. Forrest until mm-hmm. things eased up where they could be more in person. And so um, we've made, you know, creative shifts like that wherever we could while still trying to keep some level of relationship and human connection. And I think that's the biggest key, uh, the human connection. You guys have been around for, you know, over 30 years. And I think it's and your growth is is because of the human connection. I think um, over time, you've probably changed so many lives and so many people who thought, okay, 
I can't do anything with my life or this is what I do. Can you talk about one of or some of the keys that you like bring to it? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's like certain habits that you relate because some people don't know that, you know, to be successful in anything, even this to sustain what you're doing, you got to do certain things over and over again and it creates a plan of success. Can you talk about some of the little things that you guys have done to uh, actually lead people out of the despair that they were in, the poverty that they were in? Yeah, I, I think you describe um, our impact and our culture really well. You know, I often tell people we're in the hope business. Yeah. Um, and that really is, you know, that's why I'm, um, my heroes really are the the people that put on those City Square t-shirts every day and come and do this work. I just am so in awe of our staff yeah. and the way that they, they care for people um, and and really give people hope and opportunity. I, I think a key piece of it is friendship and is relationship, um, making sure people are known and seen and heard, um, and that, you know, there's a lot of shame that gets put on um poverty. Mm-hmm. And too often, um, people are treated as if something's wrong with them um, instead of something being wrong with our community. Or something happened in their life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, many of us are just one crisis away yep. from, um, you know, where we find many of our neighbors. And uh, I think the pandemic showed us that. Uh, uh-huh. It leveled the playing field for a lot of people. Uh, but I think folks knowing that they can come somewhere where they're they're going to be seen and heard and welcomed, not judged, but actually um, encouraged, um, I think that's really important. Um, I think the patience and the perseverance and the presence. Uh, too often people swoop in and swoop out uh, of the lives of our neighbors instead of just consistently, patiently, persistently hanging with them. Um, and I think that's a part of the key is – uh, showing up every day, uh, no matter how good or bad that day is for the folks that we care for, um, even if it's in the midst of a setback or a failure, keep showing up, be present, still value the relationship. And I think that persistence, uh, that patience, um, that compassion uh, that our people show um, makes a difference in people's lives. And it makes a difference in the communities that we live in, because as you mentioned before, I think the pandemic did show a lot of people that, you know, um, there's a lot of families who, quote unquote, were middle class or better, were living from check to check. But it just they were always getting that check. And they didn't realize it until something dramatic happened that they had to live in a car for a while or they had to figure out how to provide food for the kids because something didn't come through now. And uh, I think that's where, you know, there's been a, a growth in some empathy around here. And like I said, you guys have had great volunteers at City Square for years who are empathizing and being friends with and letting people know that, hey, you know, things happen and we can get out of this thing if we work together. Definitely. That's that's so well said. And I think you're right. We're seeing that more than ever. Uh, you know, as a result of the pandemic, for example, um, you, you know, the the new face of homelessness um, our families and yes. working folks who who experienced economic devastation during the pandemic. And so we're seeing more people that are experiencing episodes of homelessness instead of that chronic homelessness that we, we tend to associate mm-hmm. with homelessness. And so, um, yeah, we're seeing, um, you know, with a housing affordability crisis and with the economic shutdown, 
a lot of folks that were one crisis away have now experienced that crisis. And so how do we as a community rally around them um, and give them the support, the, the compassion, um, the resources they need uh, for this to be a, you know, an episode and, and not their, their whole story. And you mentioned not their whole story. How many times have you run across people or families where the mom or the dad or somebody says, well, I used to do this. And you kind of raise your eyebrows and go, you used to, and then they had some situation. I'm sure you got stories. Oh yeah. Um, we've, you know, I mentioned earlier Mr. Forrest, who's been in housing with us for over a decade. He was a, a national merit finalist, um, wow. all-state athlete who got a full ride to Texas Tech. And while in college, his mom got really sick, and he had to drop out to take care of his mom. And then he went through depression and a lot of mental illness in response to his mom's health crisis. And that that's what took him in a different way, you know, a different path. Instead of being the, the star athlete, star student at Texas Tech, now he was on a pathway towards some mental health issues and ultimately homelessness. And so, um, you know, to be able to, to hear his story, uh, to be there to help him pick up the pieces and to now say that, you know, Mr. Forrest lives in a community. Uh, he's been housing stable for 12-plus years he gets the health care he needs. He's able to rebuild his life. Uh, those kind of stories of hope and redemption um, are what we're about every day. Yes, you are. And it's, it's so amazing. And, and like I said, these stories are what makes people relate to what you're doing. Um, I had a college buddy who uh, got his degree at Oklahoma and was working. IBM hired him immediately. He was down here in Las Colinas training at IBM headquarters. And then he kind of fell off the map, and we were wondering whatever happened to Ronnie. And it turned out he started feeling depressed about his situation, not just for IBM, but it's like he kept doing these things for others, and it wasn't what he really wanted to do. And the next thing you know, he fell off the beaten path, and we found him, and we were able to help him out. But just like you said, no one would have ever thought that something like this could happen to him. It's like, what? What happened? He he had everything, and he it was just it was just not what he wanted to do, and uh, you know he struggled for a little while, and now he's got his family and everything back together again. But if it weren't for you know a, an organization like City Square, you know who knows what would have happened to him. And and I want to take it to another step too because you guys have covered so many areas, like even sometimes families get in trouble legally, and I know you got the. Legal Action Works, the, the quote-unquote law, where you guys help low-income families who couldn't afford legal representation because sometimes families through one individual or another get caught up in the quote-unquote system. Can you talk about that aspect of what City Square does? Yes, that's a really important part of our work. Um, having a law firm is such a game-changer uh, in terms of being able to really deal with those public interest law issues that uh, that our neighbors have. And, you know, one of the areas that we, we see that most often is in family law. So that's really become our area of expertise. Uh, things like custody orders, oh, yeah. uh, protective orders, you know, custody agreements, uh, child support. Um, but then our law firm's been able to provide other types of support as well. So, for example, uh, during this 
um, economic crisis from COVID as we looked at um, the thousands of folks in North Texas who might face eviction, uh, one of our attorneys has just worked on eviction prevention full-time. So in addition to uh, the family law cases that we're taking, we have one attorney that's representing folks in eviction court um, and trying to stave off evictions until we can get people the, the financial assistance that they need. Um, and so that, having that legal representation is really key. Um, and it's also, you know, a part of a larger ecosystem of support. So, you know, one story that comes to mind is when the winter storm hit us, oh, yeah. we actually had a, a grandma that we were representing um, in our law firm. She has custody or is trying to get custody. She's kind of the temporary custodian for her grandkids. And um, neither mom or dad are in a position to really uh, be that parent. And mm -hmm. so... We're helping grandma get custody of these grandkids in the midst of working through her legal case. Her apartment gets devastated by the winter storm, and she was um, at risk of losing housing in the midst of trying to be the primary caretaker for her grandbabies. And so because City Square Hall has all these different departments and programs, um, our lawyers were able to reach out to our financial assistance folks um, and our housing staff. We were able to get her um repairs done on her unit, keep her in her apartment, get her rent caught up, uh, while also continuing uh, to represent her um, in her custody case. And so um, that's kind of the way this ecosystem of support is really supposed to work. And it's really powerful when you're trying to help this grandma who's um, going to take care of these grandbabies and give yeah. them a hope and a future. And keep the family together. You know, when she runs into this horrific crisis from a winter storm that we can say, hey, we got you. We're going to take care of this, and, and you're going to keep taking care of those grandbabies. John Seibert is the president and CEO of City Square. And, and John, you brought up the, the, uh, the, the storm, and everybody's had stories. Uh, you, the storm happens, the grid situation in Texas right in the middle of the pandemic, and it happens for over a week. And I'm sure in your situation, you had lots of scenarios where people needed help and how were you guys able to help the number of people that you were able to, you gave her as an example, but I'm sure there was other kinds of situations as well. Yeah. I mean, it was a really difficult time on number of levels. You know, one, we had concern for neighbors that were still homeless and how are they going to um, be taken care of? And so we were really grateful to participate with, uh, the city and local shelter providers on trying to make sure folks that are still unhoused mm -hmm. access those temporary shelters. For our folks that were in housing, we really tried to mobilize to make sure um, their units were okay and that we address any damage they had. Um, and then we also had to do some financial assistance, um, you know, for some of those folks. And we also had to make sure we took care of our staff. Yeah, the so, volunteers. Yeah, if any of our staff... Uh, you know, we, we set up a fund to make sure they were, if they had any devastating issues, they could be taken care of uh, so then they could keep taking care of um, our neighbors. You know, again, clutch, that's the best way to describe it. And I know uh, that's when you f that's when you find out who your real friends are. That's when you find out what it's all about. And actually, that's when you find out that we are more of a community than, than a lot of people think. You know, if that's when people actually extend their hands to reach out and help each other. And, and you guys were there. Now, now, let's go back. I want to circle back to the evictions, because I remember hearing, you know, when the pandemic first started, um, there was almost like a freeze on evictions while people tried to figure out, you know, um, 
what's going to happen and would people be going back to work, the furlough situation, people who are losing their jobs and, and unemployment benefits. And then all of a sudden the eviction started happening again. How were you guys able to juggle all that and help so many people? Because I, I'm, I'm, I love the story that you guys had the, the, the law firms in place, but I'm sure it was kind of tricky or it has been tricky over the last few months. Oh, yeah, it's been very tricky. Um, the moratorium that you mentioned was helpful when, that, when there was actually a moratorium that kind of staved off eviction proceedings. Um, that bought some time for some of the, the different types of funding to work its way through the system. Uh, but we still weren't, you know, as a state, really keeping up and as a city uh, with all the needs. And so, yeah, it's been kind of a, kind of a two-pronged effort of, uh, you know, our law firm trying to help represent folks and, and stave off evictions for people that get um, brought to eviction court while our financial assistance folks are trying to get as much uh, rent paid as possible uh, to get people caught up. So, um, you know, the, the last few months have been pretty intense since the moratorium ended. Um, a, as people get back to work, um, there's a chance for folks to get caught up. It's just really how do you bridge that gap? And so how how do you kind of take care of people in the interim? And so um, that's still kind of a top-of-mind crisis for us is still trying to work through um, as much of the eviction issues as we can for folks. Let's talk about another program you guys are involved in. And, again, I love the fact that you guys have partnered with so many different corporations, so many different groups, and, and actually work with a lot of uh, governments and city governments, state governments, to get a lot of things done to help so many people. The one I want to talk about now is the Women's Workforce readiness initiative that you guys are doing with uh, PepsiCo and Frito-Lay North America. I think this is brilliant because not only, you know, women are so good and valuable at what what they do, but there are so many women who actually lead their families nowadays and they're not stay-at-home moms and they've got to do things and they got to do jobs that are not just quote-unquote cookie-cutter jobs. They got to be prepared for the jobs of technology today. And I, I, I'd love for you to share uh, what the Women's Workforce Readiness Initiative is for, for City Square. Uh, definitely. Uh, PepsiCo Frito-Lay has been um, one of our most valuable corporate partners for uh, a number of years and um, has been uh, so invaluable in helping us with our various food programs like our after-school meal delivery and our summer meal delivery. So uh, we have a long track record of, of working together and so they came to us as one of their trusted partners and said, look, we recognize um, the economic devastation created by this pandemic and what it's going to do, especially in the southern sector, uh, especially to uh, families led by women. And so um, I, I think that was a very appropriate strategic focus to say, yeah, if if, um, if moms in the southern sector are able to get living wage employment, uh, the entire community is going to benefit from that. And uh, a whole future generation will be lifted up uh, by lifting up these women um, in, into living wage jobs. Mm-hmm. And so that really is the intention is uh, not just a, a paycheck, but hopefully a pathway even to a career uh, by getting certifications uh, through Dallas College in various types of, of industries, uh, with the original focus being kind of um, industries that complement the work of PepsiCo Frito-Lay. So, you know, they work with a lot of logistics companies and have a lot of logistics-type jobs within PepsiCo Frito-Lay. So um, are there, you know, 
forklifts or or driver or other logistic type jobs? Are there mm-hmm. um, other industrial type jobs that kind of help the supply chain, things like that. So that's kind of the first iteration of are there jobs within these fields with companies that that work in in tandem with PepsiCo Frito-Lay? But then it's really expanded from there to if there are other fields of interest uh, that uh, these women can get certified in through Dallas College, um, then it's really up to their passion and their imagination as to how they progress and, and what pathway they're on. And I like and the, key the fact for us is, yeah, go ahead. I was oh, going to say, ahead. I like the fact that you're training in them at these Dallas colleges, these campuses. Definitely. You know, and then the, you know, kind of what we've learned is the trick is for folks to, you know, folks are capable enough to handle the coursework. Mm-hmm. What keeps people from getting through these certifications is, well, what if I have to juggle childcare? Right. Or what if I'm having transportation issues mm-hmm. or, you know, so we're really working on making sure we provide the support uh, that these women need in terms of, you know, a stipend and um, transportation and childcare support and things like that. So that those barriers that sometimes keep people uh, from getting their certifications won't be there. So then they can just focus on the coursework, uh, get it done uh, and move into jobs. And I like the fact that you guys have a plan, a, a path of success, and, and some goals to reach. Like I think one of them is uh, getting at least 550 women placed in jobs in high-growth food system industries over the course of the next three years. And I like the Southern Dallas Thrives Program. Can you shed some light on the Southern Dallas Thrives Program and how your partnership with the United Way of Metropolitan Dallas is helping a lot of women advance their careers? Uh, sure. Yeah. It, just like we've been longtime partners with PepsiCo Frito-Lay, uh, United Way has been an invaluable partner for a number of years also. And uh, United Way and, and PepsiCo Frito-Lay um, have been involved in this Southern Dallas Thrives initiative in multiple forms uh, for a while. And so uh, this Women's Workforce Readiness Initiative is kind of the latest program or the new expression within that focus of really trying to ensure that Southern Dallas thrives. And so uh, we're, we're honored and, and grateful to participate with both United Way and PepsiCo Frito-Lay in such a strategic uh, targeted initiative. You guys are just outstanding. We're talking about City Square and John Seibert. He is the CEO and president. Uh, we've talked about hunger. We talked about health. We talked about housing. We talked about law. We talked about the youth. We talked about women. Have I left anything out? <laughs> Man, we've we've covered the gamut. I would say probably one um, new opportunity I'd want to let sure. folks know about uh, because of the great work our team's done in in kind of embracing new initiatives and new opportunities uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we've been um, tasked uh, in partnership with United Way and and in deploying some some new federal dollars and helping folks uh, get enrolled in the health exchanges, and so. Um, one of the, you know, one of the outcomes of the pandemic has been a real recognition that um, that folks need affordable access to health care mm-hmm. and that if we're going to really bounce back both economically and uh, physically from this pandemic, uh, we need people to have access to care. Um, and so um, as a part of the American Rescue Plan that was um, passed by Congress, there's greatly improved financial assistance within the health exchanges mm-hmm. um, that's really lowering people's premiums. And it's going to mean um, much more access for folks to care. So we've um, 
been tasked with building a team of navigators that are helping enroll neighbors um, in these insurance plans and these health exchanges. And so we have both English and Spanish speakers uh, working to help people kind of navigate how you get in the exchange and actually get access access to health insurance, which also leads to access to health care. So we're actually going to have an event on December 6th at our Opportunity Center, which is at 1610 South Malcolm X. Um, on December 6th from 9 to 5, we're having this big sign-up fair, health fair, where folks can come get enrollment assistance um, in those exchanges. Uh, we're also going to be providing free flu shots and blood pressure checks, um, even kidney screening, thanks to our, our clinic partners at our City Square Clinic. There are Baylor Scott & White docs. Those doctors will be on site doing those screenings. Nice. Um, and so there will be games and foods as well, but it will really be a kind of a robust health fair where folks can um, – our, our health workers and, and health team, along with our clinic partner at Baylor, will be helping folks get all of those services um, as well as access to the exchanges. So um, folks can go to our website, citysquare.org, to learn more about that. But that's just another example of how we kind of seize the opportunity – you know, when a, when a crisis emerges, we try to find an opportunity out of it. And so we know uh, this health crisis means uh, we really need, as a community, to get more people access to doctors, access to health care, um, and signing folks up for these exchanges will really be a strategic part of that. Oh, I think that is absolutely awesome. And I also am very much aware that this is the holiday time of the year. It's the end of the year, but the holidays always bring out um, the kindness of people. People like to give. They like to um See if they can help. Can you can you tell people where they might want to go if they want to either partner with you guys or volunteer with you guys? Because you just never know who's listening to this show. Definitely, um, it it is definitely that time of year. And CitySquare.org is our website, and there's a donate tab where folks could uh, donate online or find out more information uh, about how to donate in other ways as well. And so, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a season of giving and a, and a time when we really need people to invest uh, in our mission. And there's no such thing as too many volunteers, right? You can always use more staff. That's right. We also, on our website, there's also a volunteer tab, and we have a great volunteer management team that um, loves to, to plug in volunteers wherever we can. That is fantastic. John, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really do appreciate you, and I've got to get you back on the show again, maybe in a few more months to update everybody on the great work of City Square. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Our next guest is a favorite here on Better Living. She is the Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau, serving the heart of Texas, our good friend Amy Razor. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing great. Glad to be here again. I am so glad you're here right now because it is the holiday time of the year and there are people who are consumers who need to be who need to be aware of possible scams and possible hackers and possible things that they need to aware of especially following uh, Cyber Monday and Black Friday last month. I mean, I know you've probably been bombarded with all kinds of people saying, "Oh my goodness, I just got had." Yes, so we have a long list of things that are going on that we want to cover just to make sure everybody in our community stays aware and protected this holiday season. Well, so let's, we'll let's start. Right yeah, yeah, let's started. jump right in when, on your Santa Claus list. I know you've got quite a few things and everybody can relate. So start from the yeah. top and I'll just keep talking with you as we go. Yeah, so I'm just going to give some general information. First of all, we have about uh, $2 million reported lost over the past year. 
um, and that's with about 3,300 reports filed. Now imagine that being just the tip of the iceberg because that's just the people that have reported. Wow. So there are a lot of people out there that haven't, you know, shared what has gone on with them. And so we know that those numbers are much, much higher. Um, so our top scam, the most common, is going to be online purchases. And that's been that way for the last couple of years, but it just continues to ramp up. Let's let's talk we about that just there. for a second here. Because yeah. the last time you and I talked, we were talking about how, you know, when, when they get you online, once they get the credit card information, it's hard to – you have to actually change out a credit card or something, right? Because once they get those digits, it just comes out of your bank account like monthly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times uh, you can end up signing up for a monthly subscription for something without realizing it. But a third of all of our reports are online purchase scams and even more – Staggering than that, a half of those are pet scam related, which I know we've talked oh, about before. But yeah, let's talk about I it again. <laughs> people are, you know, finding pets that they that they want, and they're they're doing this online, you know, sight unseen. Got to tell you, meet that pet. <laughs> yeah, that they exist in person, and figure out a way to clear that adoption and make sure it's all done above board. Uh, a lot of people are are arranging for the shipping and. Uh, it's that the price continues to increase as, as they discuss with the seller. Um, and then they never receive the pet or the prices just continue to go up through the process, talking about how to get the, the pet to the, the new home. Um, sometimes even the picture of the pet isn't of a real, uh, animal that's available. It's, it might be a stock photo. So we're seeing a lot of pet scams as people continue to be at home and, uh, add more more furry members to their families. And you know what's so crazy? This is the time of the year, you know, the holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, mm-hmm. and, and people want to give a pet as a gift to not just... One uh, more exciting thing for a kid yeah, to have on Christmas morning. Right, and even, and even for older people, too, they're like, oh, okay, my, my granny, she could use a pet. She could use a little cat. And all of a sudden, yeah. they're doing the, the quote-unquote shortcut. Like you said, they're going online, Instead of going out mm-hmm. to the pet store or going out to the uh, uh, SPCA and, and, and looking at the mm-hmm. cat themselves. So it could be careful yeah. out there. Yeah. And that's, you know, where it gets complicated is because people are looking for specific breeds. And so you want to make sure that you're checking with previous customers of that, that uh, seller. But like you mentioned, why not save a pet and get one from a shelter? Right. What else is on your list? So the next one uh, on the list is phishing scams, and that's just finding different ways to try and get you to share personal information. And these have moved beyond. We used to just get them in emails, but now they're in emails, and they're on social media, and you get a text saying somebody wants to buy your house. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're texting you now. They're just not just calling you because people, I don't know about you, Amy, but I never answer a phone number that I don't recognize. And so Thank instead, <laughs> I've been getting all these texts. Yes, don't answer the phone. If you don't know the number, let it go to voicemail. Uh, but, yeah, texts are becoming more and more popular way to be reached out to by scammers. And it, it's a little unsettling when you get a, a text saying, I want to buy your house, and they've used your name and they know your address. That's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. Um, and so, you know, we ask, please don't re- respond to those Um because that's a lot of times phishing, and phishing eventually leads to identity theft. 
And identity theft is the worst. Yes, it is the worst. You have to change everything and cancel everything and get things reissued. And it's it's very difficult and and a time-consuming process to have to deal with, not to mention the level of stress it causes. (laughs) Yeah. Let's remind everyone the one thing you don't do, you never type in your Social Security number for anybody. Right? No, never, 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 never. Do and, not put that anywhere for any reason. And tell your kids or tell any of your nephews or nieces who are teenagers, do not give out that Social Security number, no matter what the quote-unquote great deal might be. Yes, exactly. That is danger, danger, danger. That will almost always lead to identity theft, which is devastating. You mentioned um, uh, the, the scam about, you know, we want to buy your house. Because the Dallas-Fort Worth area is so booming with the housing industry, I mean, I think there's just not mm-hmm. enough inventory, and so many people are moving down here. Can you, do you have any of those scams or situations that are housing-related? Um, sure. I mean, we we see just about everything when it comes to home and home improvement and everything, you know, along those lines. And, you know, we say the same thing that we'll say about other industries is to do your research first. Um, look at the reputation of the company, make sure that they are, they have a real local address Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that they truly exist, that it's not just uh, an online thing uh, that you've talked with customers or seen reviews with other customers that have used them. um, Because that can save you a lot of heartache down the line if you do just a little bit of research up front. And, you know, you, you talked about, you know, home improvement, like sometimes they'll say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a handyman or, Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. a plumber. I bet mm-hmm. you run across a lot of people getting scammed by individuals, like you said, that, you know, they're just doing this online instead of actually doing the, the, the legwork to find these these businesses and make sure they're legit. Yeah, and actually nearly 30% of the reports that we've received on home improvement scams are for people ages 35 to 44. Um, and the, the interesting thing is out of only 65 reports, 9% of all of, of that $2 million lost was through home improvement. So it's an expensive scam. It's an expensive loss. Um, and that can vary from um, starting a contract with someone, but the price keeps increasing as you go because they need more materials or oh, more yeah. hours um, or having you pay a deposit and then they disappear with your money. Um many different ways that things are happening. They're offering you a discount on uh, material because they have an overage from a previous job. Those all should be red flags when dealing with home improvement. Oh, and what about speaking of home improvement or just homes and people moving down here What or, or moving? What about these moving oh. companies? Yes, moving companies are also a big one. There are some really wonderful ones out there. Um, Again, do your research. You know, we've we've heard horror stories of belongings being picked up and then they never see their their stuff again. They just take um, your stuff away. They just come with a truck and load up and then they disappear. Um, I mean, there's just so many different levels or, you know, bidding you a certain price and then the price ends up quadrupling, you know, by the end. And uh, read that fine print on those contracts, figure out what fuel charges or mileage charges they're, they're including because those are a lot, often a lot of the ways they're going to get you. Yeah, you, you, can, you can do a word-of-mouth thing, or, but you've got to do something where you can make sure that the movers that you're hiring are legit because 
you mentioned some of those scenarios, even the scenario of they say they're going to be there at a certain time and they're running way late and then they overcharge mm-hmm. you or the the movers themselves, they break stuff. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. You, you've got yes, to make sure. Always you, read the contract. <laughs> always read the contract. And if it costs a little bit more, but it's reputable, you probably want to go that way, right? Yep, check, check BBB.org and see what you can find out, find out about them. We're talking with Amy Reiser. She's the Fort Worth Regional Director of the Better Business Bureau, serving the heart of Texas. And, Amy, let's go down the list a little further. What else have you got? All right. Next one on the list is employment scams. We've had over 300 reports of uh, employment scams this year. Uh, and that's where somebody applies for a job. They say they're hired. They're um maybe given a check to order the supplies to do the job, but then the check bounces and they're asked to repay a difference of overages and gift cards. Anytime someone asks you to pay for anything with a gift card, that's a scam. Oh yeah. Please Um, break this down because I've, I've noticed that I've been reading articles (laughs) or seeing stuff online where they like to deal in gift cards. Can you explain what research or anything you've heard about how that, transaction happens or why the gift card would be the way they would want to go? Yes. I'm, I, almost every scammer or scam type will often have uh, a gift card element to it. Um, and that that's because it's not traceable. Um, the actual balance is on the card itself. Ah, um, yeah, you there you track go. can't back who purchased it and how to find it. You know, yeah, they have their own tracking numbers, but that's just for what, what the balance is, where you can go look online and see how much is on this card. Um, so they ask for payment. Okay. You've, you've got a parking ticket and, uh, we'll let this go away. If you send us $2 on eBay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something random like that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll remove this for your record or your, uh, any number of things Well, you can pay your electric bill with, with an Amazon card. I mean, it just, you know, unfortunately it's become very popular and, people fall for it. So we want people to know that if someone's asking you to pay them a balance of money in some way with a gift card, that it is a scam. Now you mentioned the employment scams. What about, um, and I'm thinking about employment because there's a lot of college age kids or or people Mm -hmm. who do deliveries, you know, they do whether it's Amazon or DoorDash or, you know, Uber, Uber Eats or Uber, whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering about, is there a scam element to deliveries? Yes, uh, there, there certainly can be. The The most important thing here is, is to make sure both parties are safe, the deliverer and the delivery, um, and and making sure that the, the identity of the person, I mean, if you're using an app, you should know who is coming mm-hmm. um, and have a description of them and information, maybe a license plate number. That's all very important information to have and to keep tabs on until the delivery has been finalized, uh, just so that you have that documentation if you need to say, oh, they were driving a black sedan with license plate XYZ. Um, So those are things that are important to be aware of. But also for those seeking jobs uh, of that sort, our recommendation is to, um, actually with any job, is to verify with the hiring company that they are in fact hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might see a job post and be interested in it, but then go to that company's website and say, check to see if you can find the listing or even call their, their HR and say, Hey, I'm interested in the position you have posted for this. Um, what's the best way to apply? 
And that way you know that the company <laughs> is really the one that listed the job and not a scammer. Exactly, because you don't want to get caught up and say, well, I thought I was working for Uber. No, they mm-hmm. scammed you. They tricked you, and you're, they just got your information. Yes, absolutely, because, I mean, what does an employer ask for? They ask for your Social Security and your right. driver's license, and, you know, you fill out the the w9 and all that information Mm -hmm. uh then becomes very vulnerable so you want to make sure that you've got a legitimate offer is it really tricky this time (laughs) of the year it's the holidays and uh there's actually a lot of job opportunities in um you know quote-unquote regular workforce in stores and and maybe in restaurants Mm -hmm. as well because there's a lot of business holiday shopping and a lot of holiday purchases being made Is, is there Things to be aware of if you're applying for a job in like a store or um, you've heard about a job opportunity in a restaurant or, or a, a grocery store. or a, Yeah, a com- just again, protect your identity as much as you can. Um, you know, apply for the job, but make it, be clear with who's hiring about whether or not the position is temporary. You know, you don't want to go into it assuming oh, uh, yeah. you're, you're going to have your, your career and it's only a month long job. Yeah, they're only <laughs> hiring you for the Christmas holidays. What? I thought I was permanent. No, we just needed to add staff for the holidays. Yeah, be careful out there. What's the next on the list? So our next one is government imposter or or grant scams. Oh, man. Um, And so that is when your phone rings and it says it's the IRS calling or it's Social Security calling. Um, Those entities are not going to call you. (laughs) No, the IRS Uh, never calls. They just send mail. And Apple... Exactly. Um, so if you're receiving a call, 100% do not answer it is spam. Oftentimes they're going to have a, a threat or a sense of urgency where you need to pay some money right away to get out of trouble with Uncle Sam or whoever. Um, so those are important to be aware of and to just ignore it if you receive a call. Um, they are not going to call you, but unfortunately, um the majority of these reports are coming from our, our senior population of 65 and up. Yeah. Can you talk about that just a little bit, how uh, seniors can protect themselves? Because, again, they seem to be victimized a lot. They're, they're targeted because they've got some income. It might be fixed income, but they have income mm-hmm. and they tend to believe some things. Absolutely. You know, and, and technology is moving much faster these days and right. uh, their comfort level may or may not be, you know, where it is for everyone else. And people realize that and take advantage of it. So unfortunately, our senior elderly population is highly targeted for many, many scams. Um, and they don't realize that, you know, when their phone rings and it says it's the IRS, you know, that it, that, it, that could be a scam. They think, well, if it says it is, it is. Um, and you know what? You know what? I, I, tell me if this makes sense, because this is what I always think too. If if you're senior and you don't understand what I mean, when I say understand, I mean it's like wait a minute, I don't know whether to believe this or not. If you're skeptical, I shouldn't say not understand mm-hmm. the word. The mm-hmm. phrase is skeptical. If you're skeptical, ask someone younger, whether it's your own kids, someone you trust, grandkids. I always call them tech support. You know, they uh-huh. they understand the technology better or they understand the logic behind what someone might be saying that might be tricking you. So it's not embarrassing right. if you're a senior, especially nowadays with technology, ask someone who, who does yes. it all the time that you trust. Just say, what do you think about this? I heard this because they will protect you as opposed to you just following along with whatever you the phone call that you get or the email that you receive. 
Yeah. And, you know, those younger people, they pick up, they, you know, have that. It's it's it's, it's some language. It's like they've yeah. grown up with that language um, and they're savvy. But, you know, tell them if you want to get your inheritance one day, right? <laughs> you better pro- help me protect my, my money. Yeah, no, I'm playing with this with a serious subject, but it, it is important. And you know, asking for help is never a bad thing. And the, if, and the number one thing, again, whether you're a senior or whether you're a teenager, do not give out certain information, especially mm-hmm. your Social Security number. Absolutely. Keep that safe. What's <laughs> next on your list? So the next one is sweepstakes, lottery, or prize scams. Oh, so someone contacting yeah. you to tell you you won something. Yeah. And it might be a cash amount, it might be a cruise or a vacation or whatever. The biggest rule here is if you don't play the lottery, you can't win the lottery. Exactly. It's <laughs> not just going to reach out to you out of the blue. If you didn't go buy that Powerball, you you didn't win the Powerball. <laughs> right. Um so, and these have been going on for years. The most common one is one we've all heard all of our lives, and that's Publishers Clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are told they're going to win this huge prize, and, uh, you know, it's not Ed McMahon anymore, but somebody's going to show up at your door with a big check and a bunch of balloons to show you how much money you just won. And, and uh, this is just, uh, again, more phishing information, trying to get your personal information. <laughs> you know, they say... Information, because this is a day and age of information technology, and that's the key. Mm-hmm. Information is the greatest, greatest uh, monetary thing that anybody could have. Uh, that's what they trade in. It's not just you know dollars and cents. It's it's information. If they, in fact, that's what a lot of algorithms are derived upon. You know mm-hmm. those those AIs, Absolutely. artificial intelligence, is based upon information, and the more information they have from you, <laughs> the more richer that they become. Right. Yes, absolutely. And this is happening in ways that you wouldn't even think that it's happening. So um, I saw last night on on Facebook a a game kind of thing that people are are doing where it's put a Christmas tree next to each of the things that applies to you. Um, So it's been married, had kids, and so it's all these different things, and you put a little Christmas tree by your name for each thing that applies to you. Well, that seems fun to learn that about your your friends and family and people that you know. But what you're really doing is giving a whole lot of information about yourself that yeah. can easily be data mined to find out. Oh, she's been married three times and she right. has four kids. And, right. You know, it's that sensitive information that you don't realize that you're sharing because it's disguised as a game. But exactly. there is data mining going on to get that information. I'm glad you put it in that phrase, data, mi- data mining, data mm-hmm. mining. Yes, they're, they're, they're trying yeah. to get all the information they can about you so they can monetize that. What's next yep, on your absolutely. list, Amy? All right. So as we all know, supply shortages, later labor shortages, et cetera, are mm-hmm. causing issues with things uh, being delivered. So we're... Definitely saying shop early if you can, you know, figure out what you need so it has plenty of time to get here. Shop local. You know, why not go support the mom and pop businesses that have had such a hard time the past couple of years? Yeah. Um, And uh, to save all of your receipts and all of your information so that if you need to go back and check a confirmation or tracking number uh, to understand where all that information is and to understand and know about return policies. 
um, this has been the way for years, but, you know, you might not realize that the, the item that you purchased can only be returned until January 1st. So that's uh, a tight window. Yes, <laughs> it know? is. Um, some, some places it will be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. It just depends on uh, what that store's policy. So be sure that you know the, the policies and the procedures for how to do a return with everybody that you're shopping with. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think everybody heard about the supply chain issues. So if you <laughs> want to get your stuff done or by Christmas or by the time you want to give it, make sure you do it early. And like you said, do the steps. It might take a little bit longer, but you're protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and Amy, the last one, mm-hmm. I got one more. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. The last one is that today is Giving Tuesday. And so Giving Tuesday is a day that is set aside to support the charities that you care about during the holiday season. Nice. Um, However, there are a lot of people out there that create fake charities or do a GoFundMe or (laughs) something (laughs) that, that may or may not be legitimate. Yeah. And so... BBB has a site called give.org, and that shows uh, many nonprofits that have been vetted and checked out by by BBB to make sure that they are reputable charities and that they are a good place to give your money. That is outstanding. Amy Razor, Fort Worth Regional Director, Better Business Bureau, serving the heart of Texas. And thanks for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to join in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's better here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.